welcome to the Girl Tries Life podcast, where we show you that success and living a meaningful life doesn't have a one-size-fits-all kind of category. So we interview women from all different types of backgrounds who do all sorts of interesting things to show you, to demonstrate this to you, and maybe inspire you to make some different choices in your life or to try something new. So this podcast is part of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is powered by ATB. So I'm so pleased to be part of this network. Now, ATB is the title sponsor of it. I want to tell you something really cool about what they do. Now, I work in the nonprofit sector. This interview today is with someone that runs a nonprofit. So I think talking a little bit about ATB Cares is kind of one of the coolest things that we can do. Because if you're an ATB member, you can donate to your favorite charity on atbcares.com. And ATB will cover the fees of your donation and add 15% to it. So in 2017, over $4 million was donated to charity through ATB Cares. So if you actually want to see your donation go even further, to have 15% added to it, I highly recommend that you go to atbcares.com. Again, as someone that works in nonprofit, it's just so great to see that kind of, that kind of commitment to community. Now, we're also part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, which is really about promoting and supporting Alberta-made podcasts. So there's one that I want to talk to you about today in particular, which is called the Expats Podcast. And that is where the expats explore the lives of Canadians living abroad. So you can find out from all sorts of people living all around the world, whether for short term, for long term, what their experience is life is like living overseas. And you can actually look at their interactive map. Adam has interviewed people living in Chile to all over Europe to India and China and South Korea and New Zealand, like, you know, most places that you can imagine. He's slowly filling in his map and uh, definitely an interesting podcast to listen to. Now, today on the podcast, we are joined by Kylie Woods. Now, Kylie Woods is the executive director of Chic Geek, which is a local nonprofit that exists to empower women in STEM. For those of you that don't know what STEM is, it's science, technology, engineering, and math. So Kylie started this nonprofit, and we talk about it a bit in the interview, because she, was, she would go to all these events and be one of the only women in the room. She would go to tech sort of meetups and be the only woman there and wanted to create a community and environment that empowered women in this field and that created a tribe. And so that is exactly what she did. And we talk about the hows and the whys and the what fors of that. But she also <laughs> runs a web consulting firm called Fresh and Nimble. And it's exactly because she is fresh and nimble and wanted a way to you know, have a creative outlet and have her own business on the side of running a nonprofit because, you know, spoiler alert to anyone that doesn't work in nonprofit, getting one off the ground or working in nonprofit in general is very difficult to pay the bills. <laughs> so, you know, Kylie is someone that has actually created a career for herself uh, and not just careers, but passions and fosters these in both herself, in the volunteers that work for her organization and in the community at large. So, I had an absolute blast interviewing Kylie. Not only do we talk about Fresh and Nimble and Chic Geek, but we talk about confidence. We talk about building courage. We talk about gratitude and what it means to really define what your personal values are, your professional values, and even your relationship values and how that plays such a critical role in how you live your life. Now, Honest to God, she's one of the sweetest people you will ever meet. I think this is the first interview I have ever done where I left with a goodie bag. And like, believe you me, guys, it was full of some really cool stuff. So big thanks to Kylie. Now, if you want to learn more about Chic Geek or about Fresh and Nimble or anything about Kylie, I highly recommend that you go to our show notes. So show notes for today can be found at girltrieslife.com forward slash 42. We're on episode 42, guys. This, for me, feels huge because, you know, we only started the podcast in March. Uh, yeah, we're almost at 50. That kind of feels really big for me. Now, in other news, <laughs> today is my birthday. <laughs> if you're listening to this episode live, it comes out on December 7th, which is my birthday. And, well... I'm kind of probably working from home today is what I think I have planned in, my, in, in mind. So not a terribly exciting day going on. Got plans for the weekend, so I'll be celebrating that way. But 
If you, my dear listeners, want to give me a beautiful birthday gift, the best way that you can celebrate a podcaster is to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. And if you've already done that, first of all, thank you. But if you've already done that, share an episode with your friend or talk to someone about my podcast today. Share it with someone that you think would find it interesting and meaningful. Because honestly, growing this audience and having more people connect with the stories is what would make a huge difference in my life, is what would be really meaningful to me on my birthday this year. And it would help me kind of feel that, I mean, I do feel that this podcast is having some meaning both for me, for the interviewees, and from the feedback that I'm getting. But of course, I would love to grow this community more. So the more people that you tell, the more ratings and reviews that we get, the more people can hear from these stories of women who have really taken time out of their days to share their stories with me and to get really personal about quite a few things. So you'd be recognizing me, you'd be recognizing our interviewees, and you'd be helping to grow this community. So That's just my little pitch and my little request on my birthday. So (laughs) anyways, we're going to head on over to the interview with Kylie. Again, show notes can be found at girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast forward slash 42. So let's go over to the interview. Thank you so much, Kylie, for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here in your beautiful apartment. This oh, is gorgeous. You. <laughs> you definitely, it's not just chic geek, you have chic style, so it's pretty exciting. Thanks. Well, I spend a lot of time here because it is both home and work, so it needs to be a comfortable space for yes. me. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So starting off simple, maybe it's not so simple, how did Chic Geek get started? And for those that don't know what Chic Geek is, what is it? Sure, I'll start with the what is it and then get into how we started. So we are a nonprofit building a welcoming, supportive space for women in technology and entrepreneurship. So we host, you know, on average about 25 events a year. And what we're trying to do is to help women build their confidence, learning new technologies, but also to profile more women as leaders and role models in that space so that we can increase diversity in tech. And tech being a very broad term because it comes into every type of career these days. In terms of our origin story, it really came out of three things for me. One was this profound sense of loneliness where, you know, I was a new grad. I was super excited about this tech and startup scene in Calgary and was consistently one of the only young women in the room. And I was looking for my people and my tribe, and I I didn't find it in the places that I was going to. So there was this kind of impetus to start building that community for myself. The second thing was the curiosity. I... So my background is actually in communications and public relations, and I wanted to learn how to code. But I didn't want to go back to school because I had just graduated, and I was looking for alternative learning methods and found that there weren't a lot of in-person things in Calgary. And then third was this, you know, strong sense of experimentation. There was never an intention to create a nonprofit, to, you know, be paid for this work, to build a team. But we just kept growing and building momentum and experimenting until we found the right fit. And there's, you know, we've kind of validated that there's a need for the work we're doing. So we were very open-minded in terms of what we were building. And it just kind of happened. Yeah. So are you finding that the women that attend the events, have they graduated? Are they in school? Is it a mixture? Are they in their careers? Yeah. So Shiki kind of tends to target women in their, I would say, 18 to 40. But that's broad because what defines a chic geek is that sense of curiosity. If you want to learn about tech, if you're, you know, question asker and you're just genuinely inquisitive, this is the place for you. And we talk a lot about women specifically, but Chic Geek is gender inclusive. So all gender identities are welcome and encouraged to participate, but most of our marketing is towards women. Yeah. Well, you're creating that space that you were looking for, right? Exactly. Yeah. How many, like, is it a membership or is it people just come to the events? Yeah. Like how many people are connected to the organization in some way? So let's see. We, our team, which is mostly volunteer driven, we're close to 40 these days. Wow. Um, so we've seen some real growth on our volunteer team, which is phenomenal. In terms of our community, we've got about 1,500 people that come through our events and programs on average every year. And then in our larger online community, we're at about 8,000 women and men. That's crazy because if you think that you were that lone woman, woman in the room, 
and then there's 1,500 that are sort of regularly coming to these events. Like you weren't, you weren't alone. You were just alone in that room. Yes. Yeah. And you know, this has been one of the greatest blessings because I have found some of my best friends through the Sheet Geek community. And this is the first time, you know, growing up, I think I struggled a lot with fitting in and finding my people. And that was kind of through elementary and high school and, and university. But this is the one place where like, these are my people. And we have so many other women who come through and are like, oh, I've never felt this sense of belonging before. And that's a really powerful way to bring people together. Yeah. Well, and as sad as it is, like we've grown up in the generation where women often were told or girls were often told, oh, you know, science and math is more for boys and stuff like that. I take it your family was not like that. (laughs) My, so I, I'm Chinese and my parents are not like super traditional, but every day after school, I would have to do homework for them on top of the homework I got from school. And that was just a standard growing up. So I would probably do about an hour of homework a day. And so my dad would always make me do like, I had math homework, science homework. At one point he had me building and reading like circuit boards and schematics. I used to do writing homework for my mom, reading Chinese, all sorts of things. And So I had a really broad application of things that I could do. So that kind of belief that girls cannot do STEM was not something that I was raised with by any means. But it did come into play later on in my life. And I would say that the biggest barrier was actually myself. Really? Yeah. So I was probably about 16 when I had really honed like that perfectionist mentality. Mm. And... You know, I was always and still am very achievement oriented. But when that started to come into play, I remember being in grade 11 high school, taking my first physics class and the concepts were just difficult for me to grasp. And I was so focused on maintaining a high average and I wasn't performing as well in this class as I was in a lot of my others. And instead of putting the work in and being like, no, I can do this. I can get through it. I was like, it's too hard. I'm just, I'm just not meant for physics. I mm-hmm. can't do it. And so I remember I dropped that class after like two weeks and I never took another physics class. And that year, I think as well, or maybe the next, I dropped my first math class. Like I had always really enjoyed math. And then I got to calculus and I was like, oh, these concepts are just too hard. Um, it's going to lower my average. And I dropped it and I never took another math class after grade 12. And looking back, I'm like, wow, like I told myself that I couldn't do it. And it was my perfectionist tendencies that were holding me back. So when did that change? Because I mean, we'll get to some of the other stuff that you do, but Chic Geek and all that, it is achievement oriented, but like you have to get past that in order to create these great things. Like when did that switch happen? Oh, I don't even know that it's it's been fully switched. I feel like that is a struggle that I work to challenge all the time. Yeah. I think it's practice putting myself in situations where I might fail, where I might not be the best or, you know, perform at the level that I expect myself to and have having practice being okay with that. Yeah. That's really that's been a really difficult journey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's funny cuz I like you read other places like people that we think are incredibly successful sometimes you think they're an overnight success and they're like no I'm like seven or eight years in the making so clearly during that seven or eight years they've had bumps in the road and it's not all been smooth sailing so it's but it's so hard to do that for ourselves right it is but I'm like thinking about times when there have been those bumps in the road and being an entrepreneur building something for the first time like there have been so many tears that have also gone into Sheet Geek in addition to the wins but one of the failures that stands out is we were participating in like in social venture partners fast pitch yeah and we were very early stage as a nonprofit, and you compete with a with very established groups so it was you know an honor to be in that included in that cohort and you know i took that so seriously that competition i was like this is a chance for us to get our name out there um you know we want to really establish our message our messaging and our branding and i had kind of put out this dream that like i want to win this competition And that in itself was also very rare for me because I like to manage my own expectations. So I tend not to dream very big sometimes or as big as I could. 
And so anyway, coming back to fast pitch, you know, we're doing a lot of prep, working really hard, you know, working on this pitch. And we came to the semifinals and I was the last person to go. And I delivered like the pitch of my lifetime. Like it was the best pitch I've ever given. And I'm not, I don't enjoy public speaking, but I stood up there and I saw people like nodding encouragement, smiling, like they were so engaged. And I was like, I walked off that stage and I was like, I nailed it. And the next day we found out who made it to the finals. And I remember it was, I was working full time at this point, doing Sheet Geek on the side. So I would get up at six and start working on Sheet Geek before I would start my real day job. Yeah. And I was working in a coffee shop and that email came in and I was like, where is Sheet Geek on the list? Like, that, what? Like, we're not there. And I checked it again. And I, and I was like, what? Like, there must be a mistake. And I, when I read it the third time, like, we didn't, we weren't on the list. And we hadn't made it to the finals. And I was totally crushed and heartbroken because I had put this dream out there that, I, you know, I wanted to win it. I'm going to. I'm going to, I'm going to go for it Yeah. and to put in everything you have and know that sometimes it's still not good enough is so heartbreaking. And it took me a while to get past that. And the thing that did was one of the fast pitch coaches, she's actually a really good friend now and she's a mentor kind of in Sheet Geek, but she said, you know, Kylie, remember that there are outcome goals the ones that we strive for. It's like win this competition. That's an outcome goal. But there are also process goals that you get along the journey. And the process goals that we had achieved around, you know, refining our messaging, sharing the Sheet Geek story, bringing the team along for the ride, we had nailed those out of the park. Mm -hmm. So that was the silver lining. And it was a reminder for me that it's not always about the end goal. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, yeah, because we do have these these things that we dream and we hope for and then when they don't happen it's how you pick yourself up on the other side right but that sounds like she was a great mentor or coach she was she is yes oh great so 20 20 plus events a year that is absolutely insane and you have your geeky summit where everyone comes together and you've got fantastic guest speakers but what do you feel like is next for Sheet Geek ah that's a great question we are coming up you know what we're finishing up our fourth year operating and there's a lot of questions around, you know, the environment has changed. There's a lot of groups supporting women in technology. Um, You know, Calgary as an ecosystem has changed. You know, the city is focused on diversifying and technologies at the forefront. Where does Sheet Geek sit and play in that? So we're actually entering a year of strategic planning so we can figure out where are we going next and what are we going to build for our community? I think for me, I'm really excited about exploring ways to expand outside of Calgary. Yeah. The tribe we've built here is so powerful that I think it has a lot of value in other centers across Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And how do you see it? Do you see it affecting and sort of changing that makeup in the STEM sector? Like, is that part of that goal? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, this challenge around not enough women in STEM is is so broad. And you can have so many organizations doing great things and tackling that problem. And, you know, we're still going to need more help. So I think, you know, where Sheet Geek makes that difference is that we create a safety net where women can feel like they've got a network, a group to go to. And the goal is that they're going to get excited about what's happening in tech and then stay there instead of leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And I mean, you're right. Like it is a systems issue, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. not just like companies funding it or this, that, and the other, but like it's the school systems. It's like how we parent our kids and what messages we give them. And it's cultural, it's conversational. There's so many things that influence that and everyone has a part to play. It's not just a women's problem. Yeah, no, for sure. Mm -hmm. So how did your family, friends, mentors, how did they affect you growing up in regards to STEM? We've talked a little bit about your parents, but did you have other STEM type mentors? Like I know you went into communications, Mm -hmm. but was that communications liking an art, like all with a side passion for STEM or how? I think, you know, there, sometimes I say that I'm like the biggest imposter at Sheet Geek because here I am like building this community for women in tech and I'm I'm not a super techie myself. Um, But but you're curious. I'm curious, yes, absolutely. STEM, actually, you know, it was an interest of mine when I was young, and I feel like it kind of got, I had other interests as I 
got older and, and when I started making choices for university. So if you would have asked me what I wanted to be when I was 11, I would have said, I want to be an inventor and I want to make cool things. And if you asked me when I was 12, I would have said, you know, a medical botanist. Yeah. And when you asked me when I was 16, I would have said, I want to be a writer. And so that, you know, I loved writing, creative writing, poetry. And so that took me into communications. Um, and then after that, it was like, well, now what do I do with this? So I love STEM because there's so many places where you can create and make things. And to me, that is most exciting. But there are lots of other careers and places where you can do that. Did you have a mentor that along the way or other family that were in STEM or it no. was just always sort of there? It was always there for sure. And like, of course, like schooling and education. I wish that I had more mentors, to be honest, because I didn't really know what kind of space there was for me here. Yeah. And I thought that if I wanted to be creative, that writing was going to be the best option. But if I could do it over again, I always say that I would go back and do computer science. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's so funny because we have an in, we had a summer intern where I work who looks like the traditional, very feminine girl, and she's a computer science major. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like, she rocks our spreadsheets and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, I love that what you would, tr like, our old school thinking, she has completely displaced that. I love like, that. She, it just, yeah, it makes me so happy. I should see if she's a sheet geek uh, attendee because, yeah, she would love that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you have any challenges in school around people's perceptions about women in STEM? Because we assume that schools are supportive places, mm -hmm. but that's not always accurate. Um, well, it's interesting. I, so I grew up in Saskatoon and I went to a bit of a nerd school. So it was similar to like a, an IB program. Yeah. And I was always surrounded by other kids who were super curious and a very education oriented um there was never there were very few times I think when it was like girls can't do that I don't I'd never felt that as a kid actually and I think you know I'm lucky that I haven't had a lot of those experiences yeah. but I do think there is something too outside of school but also in terms of how we are raised around oh what is it I think it's you know, building out a growth mindset. Have mm -hmm. you heard of this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you talk about, you know, when you tell kids that they're smart versus they work really hard mm -hmm. and what the outcomes are, are of that. Um, and I wish that I had been told as a kid that I work really hard because what I heard a lot of was that I was smart. And that, I think, created a that it, it fostered that perfectionist mindset in myself that yeah. has prevented me from taking other risks. Because if you're not excelling at something, you f don't feel smart. Yes. And then you feel, yeah. Or I'm too scared to be in a place where I'm not excelling, so I'm not even going to try. And yeah. I'm not even going to do it. That's interesting because you, you also wonder how many people have gone down career paths that they did just because they were good at it. And mm -hmm. that they're maybe not passionate about, but they're people think they're smart you know they get that validation from it maybe right can we talk about confidence for a minute yeah like, absolutely you know where that it's it's this thread that seems to hold us together in our personal and our professional lives and when it's lacking yeah you can feel it significantly but it's something that I've been exploring a lot and I'm so curious you know like where do where do we get our confidence from yeah and at different points in our lives, it's from different people, right? Hmm. Like, that's an interesting one. So recently, the job that I've started, which is with the Volunteer and Capacity Building Center in Calgary, Propellis, I would say they've given me a lot of confidence. I've never done nonprofit work before. Like, I've been on the other side of it. But their a core value of theirs is empowerment. And I remember when I started there, <laughs> we don't have job descriptions. And they're like, what I thought I was being hired for. They're like, so that's only going to be about 25% of your job. I was like, oh, what's the other 75%? They're like, you get to figure that out. Wow. And it scared the bejesus out of me when I started. Because I was like, I get to what now? <laughs> like, I, hmm? And it was that initial lack of confidence. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. And it's funny because over a period of time, like I've slowly added things that, you know, fit with the strategy and meet the needs of our members and that kind of thing. And they were saying, see, we believe that everyone has 
the ability, like we hire the people that have the ability to figure it out Hmm. and that it's better for you to figure it out for yourself than to be told what your job is. It doesn't work for every environment, Yeah, but it built a lot of confidence in me on the other side, but I had to go through the hard work and the like massive insecurity to get there. Totally. It's that. Yeah. And I think that that moment of massive insecurity is always kind of like the point before the storm breaks. Right? Yeah. Everyone has to go through that in order to reach that point. Cause I'm thinking, Oh yeah, there have been moments when I've had that massive insecurity. Um, Shikik has been running for four years and I was, and I attend a lot of events uh, as a voice for women in STEM, women in technology in Calgary specifically. And it was just earlier this year. So four years in, and I was doing a private event and I was one of, again, few women at the table, probably the youngest one there. But for the first time in my Chic Geek career, did I feel like I belong here and I, I have value to add because mm-hmm. most of the time I'm like, oh, all these people are way more experienced than I am mm-hmm. and they have way better things to say than I do. And yeah. that's what I'm telling myself. Yeah. And I kind of had that realization of, wow, it's been four years and it's taken me this long to get here. Yeah. Yeah. I heard someone say once that all that confidence is, is courage. Uh, The courage to try things, even though you might fail at them and try and try and sort of Hmm. figure it out and get better. Because it was like, I even heard someone describe it as sort of like, you know, the idea of asking a girl or on a date or that kind of thing. Like, if you don't ask, you will never know. And like that, but that fear of being rejected and that whether it's relationship, whether it's work or whatnot, if you don't take that courageous step to put yourself out there to try something different, yep. that you're not going to build and grow and won't become more confident as a result. Hmm. I like that. And that courage. I think there's something around taking a, a leap of faith yeah. and trusting that you will be there to catch yourself and that you can handle rejection or whatever comes out of that just fine. Yeah. But that is, that is a big leap of faith sometimes. Yeah. So I want to talk about another leap of faith. You also have another business, Fresh and Nimble. Yes. So tell me a little bit about about that. So Fresh and Nimble is a boutique kind of design firm, and we specialize in building Squarespace websites specifically. And Squarespace because, you know, I've met a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners who need websites up quickly. Mm-hmm. And Squarespace is a platform that is very easy to learn and maintain. And so I wanted to create an agency that actually supports entrepreneurs instead of, you know, getting them to sign on for these monthly maintenance subscriptions that just are difficult when you're, you've got small budgets, but Mm -hmm. like, let's build something that you can maintain and that can move as quickly as you can. So I started Fresh and Nimble, oh, a couple years ago now, and I kind of had always had in the back of my head that, oh, maybe one day I want to run my own agency and kind of be an entrepreneur. And that was before I had started Chic Geek. But Fresh and Nimble really arose out of more of a need than a want Mm -hmm. because Chic Geek was taking off and I was so, I'm so passionate about it that I needed a more flexible career in order to accommodate that. So when I quit my full-time kind of day jobs, I started Fresh and Nimble so that I could work whatever hours I needed to so that I could do Chic Geek as well. Yeah. And it was this interesting transition where it probably took about a year and a half for me to, uh, I've actually phased down most of Fresh and Nimble. I take on a few clients here and there, but most of my work is Chic Geek. And so I let go of a lot of major clients. I don't take on a lot of big projects. It's mostly smaller stuff now um, because it supports my work with Chic Geek. Yeah. But it also acts as this creative outlet for me because Chic Geek is a lot of people management yeah. and a lot of relationship building and conversation. And sometimes the introvert in me just needs like some creative time where I don't need to talk to anyone and I can just work by myself. Yeah. So that's fresh and nimble, um, which helps balance my, my Chic Geek side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's interesting about that is that it is a huge leap of faith to start your own business <laughs> and to start your own nonprofit. Like, so it's, and would you say you were confident when you started those or like, no, no, I had no idea what I was doing. A lot yeah. of the time I still have no idea, but I have a lot of people I can ask. Yeah. And I'm always asking questions about how can I do things better? 
And it's interesting because leaps of faith, you know, yes, starting a business, starting a nonprofit, but I'd also, I like personally, leaps of faith when we fall in love. Yeah. I think about how I met Sam, my husband, and that journey with him. And that was like one of the biggest leaps of faith that I've ever had to take. Yeah. And it's been the best one. That's awesome. So how I feel about motherhood. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, I'm currently pregnant with number two, and I'm like, oh, did I make the right decision? It's a little too late, so it's fine. It's a leap of faith. It'll be a good It'll one. It'll be good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, leaps of faith are something that we don't think about often enough. It's never really been something that comes into my my thought process until very recently. But, you know, it does tie into courage mm-hmm. and bravery and trust. And I think being able to take those leaps of faith is a skill that takes practice. Yeah. And we need to be constantly pushing ourselves in order to do that. So I think there's maybe something important here to talk about in terms of when you do or don't choose to take a leap of faith. Because So I'm also a writer in my spare time in fiction. Went to this conference recently where they were saying, like, don't quit your day job until you've kind of built up that ability that it's a safer leap kind mm. of thing. And I hear that with with other, you know, like Cheryl Strayed, the most incredible author of Wild, you know, saying, I was a waitress so that I could do this and not feel, and like Elizabeth Gilbert says it as well, like that if you put that much pressure on something to succeed when you're not at that place yet, that it can, that it can ruin that. Like, did you feel like you had a certain set of, like you had set of skills or you had a little bit of financial stability, like that it was... Like, I feel like some people might hear it and think, I can take this enormous risk, but was it a calculated risk? Or, like, did you know your market? Like, did you feel confident that what you were putting out there truly had, whether it was the nonprofit or the business, that you had people that needed what you were doing? Hmm. <laughs> yes, I'm like, oh, when I made the leap, when I quit my job, started fresh and nimble, for example, I had a really great client base already. Yeah. I've been freelancing for years before that, uh, partly actually because of my network through Chic Geek. I meet a lot of people who are looking for that kind of work. So it feeds each other really nicely. And I always knew that that would, and I think I've just gotten really lucky where a lot of the work has come to me Mm -hmm. and I haven't had to go looking for it. So that's been real. It's made my job a lot easier to be honest, making the leap full time into Chic Geek. So that was when, you know, I was kind of doing fresh and nimble but focused on Sheet Geek. So I wasn't taking on a lot of clients. I basically worked for free for Sheet Geek for a year uh, to get it to a place where I could then get paid. And that was a tough year. Yeah. Because I probably didn't plan it as well as I should have. I could have, I think, saved a bigger nest egg to kind of help pave that year. So coming up to the end of it financially was stressful. But also I'm the kind of person that when there is a lot of pressure, sometimes I freeze mm-hmm. and it's like my brain can't even think and it gets fuzzy. And that's how I was feeling with Sheet Geek a little bit in that year. The pressure being that we run Geeky Summit, which is our full day conference for women in tech. It's the only event of its kind in Alberta. And it generates, it basically is our fundraiser to cover our operating expenses for the following year. Yeah. So we had one day, a one day event. And the story I was telling myself was, you know, we need to run this at Sheet Geek because if we don't, we're not going to be able to generate enough revenue to continue operating and we're going to have to scale back operations and I'm going to have to go back to my other job mm-hmm. and we're going to have to minimize the work that we do. And instead of growing, we're going to be looking at scaling back. And that was like, I've just been building this for three years. I can't go back. So it was this really interesting kind of pressure pot of like do it or die. And Last year when we did the first Geeky Summit was actually, I would say, the worst, the worst Chic Geek year for me. It was a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. This year, of course, is better, but it's kind of like this frog in the water analogy, you know, where you're like, I'm just a frog hanging in this pot. And then like, you're fine until someone turns up the heat and you're like, oh my God, the water's so hot. And then you kind of get used to it until someone turns it up again. But the thing you have to be careful is that you can just boil alive if you keep turning up the heat and you have to be just watch of like, what is your capacity? How much can I give? What are my boundaries? So I'm learning about that this year. But coming back to the question around, you know, what are those moments of like pressure and how do you know if it's a calculated risk? 
I don't think that it's a silver bullet. Yeah. And I think it depends on everybody's uh, risk tolerance and situation. Yeah. I wish there was a silver bullet. I'm always looking for those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep learning they don't exist. Oh, yes. No, for (laughs) sure. Yeah, everyone's got to assess that for themselves. I just... I, oh, it's when I watch Dragon's Den and mm. I see the people that have like double mortgaged their house and I'm like, oh, uh. <laughs> like I get super anxious about those. But I sent, I have a good feeling you're not in that boat. <laughs> but it is like that. When to make that call of like, this is when I need to quit. Yeah. And this, or this is when I need to like dig my heels in and push through. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that, to be yeah. honest. Well, and again, it comes down to, like you're saying, risk tolerance. What are you comfortable with and what's comfortable for your family? Totally. And maybe comfortable is not the right word because I guess at the end of the year you'd be super stressful. But like, yeah, there's a, <laughs> there's a, there's a line somewhere. Yeah. I listened to you on the podcast with Ernest Barbaric and you were talking about your personal values. Uh, I was hoping you could share those with us. Yeah. My personal values are something that I, that help keep me grounded. And I kind of established them a a few years ago when I was trying to make some major decisions in my life. And I felt like, how do I know which thing to choose and what's right for me? And it felt like I could chase all these different shiny options. And I needed something that could act as a bit of a a measuring stick against Mm -hmm. these things. So I have them written down, actually. I have five personal values. And these actually came out of significant stories from my childhood. So each one of them has been with me for many, many years. Uh, The first one is be yourself. Stay true to who you are, what you want, and also do some deep listening to be aware of what that is and don't get sidetracked by the people around you. When I graduated university, I did a kind of semester at... um, the Chicago Booth School of Business. I thought I wanted to do my MBA. So it was a pre-MBA program. I was the only Canadian there. And we did finance, accounting, and marketing. And I was with all these other very bright individuals who were also thinking about pursuing their MBAs. And everyone wanted to be a management consultant. And I kind of got swept up into that excitement of, oh my God, I need to be in management consulting. And how am I going to get there? And I'm not good enough at accounting, so I need to get better. And It took me a year to kind of come off of that train. And when I did, I was like, wait, what am I getting so caught up about? That's not what I really want. So it was a huge waste of time for me. I mean, I guess like, I mean, I guess I learned something out of it was that that wasn't for me. Yeah. But if I had stuck true to myself, I would have known that from the beginning. My second value is around gratefulness and always being grateful. I think that we have so much to be thankful for in terms of the people around us. Being grateful helps keep me present and actually helps manage my stress. So when I'm like, oh my God, like I've got this big event coming up and I can't handle it, take a breath. What am I grateful for in this moment? The weather's beautiful. I live in a great city. I've got a great team around me. Okay, I can handle that. Yeah. Do you uh, keep a gratitude journal? I do. You do? Yeah. yeah. Do you? I, d- I have moments yeah. where I do it consistently and then others where life just gets a little insane, which is we when all. I should do it the most. <laughs> but yeah, I... No, you're right. I find such a relief from from thinking that thinking that through. It's yeah. hard to manage, like to do it all the time, and I'm yeah. the same way. And I always thought, I'm like, oh, gratefulness, like that seems so cheesy. But once I started doing it, and once I started putting it into practice, it's become a really big part of my life. Yeah, yeah. And it's you can tell people like their personality is when they're grateful for what they have and when they're not, um, or when that's not something that they're mindful of. Like I. I I feel like you can really start to see it and people that practice gratitude in my experience of what I've seen, they're happier. And don't we all just want to be happier? I just want to be happy. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So uh, be yourself, gratefulness, listen first. This is a big one for me. I'm an introvert. I am more of a question asker than a talker. And I think Asking great questions and listening to people, making them feel both seen and heard is a very powerful skill. And I mean, I've been in plenty of conversations, one-on-ones even, where the person I'm talking to will dominate 95% of the conversation over an hour and a half. And that's really tough. And so, you know, if if I can make someone feel like they've been heard in a conversation, then I feel like that's an opportunity to make them feel like... They were seen 
and that's powerful. So listen first. Be an explorer. This one is just, it, it's a fun one. It's a reminder not to take myself too seriously because I do that a lot. <laughs> um, but to just like, you know, look under rocks because you don't know what's going to be there and to like, you know, walk on that log because it's fun. So like one of my favorite things is walking in the fall and stepping through leaves and it like always puts a smile on my face. And it's those little things yeah. that you can kind of explore that keep you grounded. And the last one is just be honest, both with yourself and with the people around you. So that means taking criticism or feedback and being genuinely curious and willing to dig into it, but also being willing to share honest feedback with others because you have a right to be heard. Yeah. Yeah. I heard a quote that Hillary Clinton gave recently about uh, take criticism seriously, but not personally. Yeah. And I was like, that, well, I got to work on that. Easier said than done. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, if she, if anyone can do it, she can after everything she's been through. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. And I take it that those values played into your decision to start Chic Geek and to start Fresh and Nimble. Yeah. I mean, the values are, you know, they make up who I am, but not what I do. Mm-hmm. And I'm really, it's so important to uh, sometimes draw a line between, you know, who, what is work? And what is Kylie? Yeah. Because I cannot be chic geek and I cannot be my work and I need to have other parts of my life. So my values help me establish that. And then chic geek and fresh and nimble become one part of that, not the only part of Kylie. Do you know how rare that is to hear a founder of an organization, whether nonprofit or otherwise, to say it's not like so many people feel that organizations, they're their babies and they're like, they are you know, they are them. Like if they didn't exist, the organization, like, don't get me wrong. There are definitely moments when I feel like she geek is my baby. Um, maybe that's the wrong way to phrase it, but they feel that they are the organization. Uh, I think that's a very ego driven approach. Yeah. And she geek was always meant to be something for the community. So it's Mm -hmm. about putting the community first, but I also think about, you know, what is the career that I'm looking for and designing for myself and it is not one where I'm working you know 80 hours a week where I don't get to do anything else I love and I have no other you know characteristics to me because I'm so focused on work and I think that's very much a startup mentality like you think about guys like Mark Zuckerberg hoodies Mm -hmm. that are you know doing these crazy hours they give up every other part of their life and who they are in order to build this company and I think it's so unhealthy yeah and I want to lead by example and design work, career, life in a way that is wholesome. And that's and what I want to see. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I love how the brand ties together. <laughs> yeah. So being a founder, both in nonprofit and in business, you have, you have to bring many skills to the table more than maybe a traditional degree would have, would teach you. What's been the most surprising skill that you've had to develop? Mm. Huh, that's a tough one. Maybe, you know, so for me, I, I'm kind of, <laughs> I love personality tests. Like I love that they give me a frame of reference, even if they're yeah. not always accurate or right. Um, but I'm very analytical and I'm also very, I can be very impatient. So I want to move things forward, make decisions, go, go, go. So for me, one of maybe the most uncomfortable skills that I've had to develop is actually on the people side. And being able to put people first and slow things down and take the time to build relationships, especially on like our volunteer team, for example, you know, that's something that I think doesn't come supernaturally to me, but I've had to develop it in order to build a cohesive team. Yeah. And we have volunteers who have been with us almost as long as I have that treat Sheet Geek like a paid role. And that's just you know, the work ethic and level of quality they put into it. So we get these really dedicated people and they teach me how to be a better people leader. Yeah. That's fascinating because yeah, creating a culture is no small feat and you've clearly done it. I have actually spoken to one of your volunteers and she raves about it. And you know what what that comes down to is like that values conversation. Yeah. I mean, I've got my own personal values, but Chic Geek as an organization also has its own values and we lead with that foot first always. And that's where our culture comes from. So for Chic Geek, it's be brave, stay curious, support each other. That's it. But it's so easy to remember and that makes it really powerful. I also think about 
you know, where else values come into play? Actually, Sam and I, we have our own family value system. Aww. So he brings his to the table, I bring mine, and we found this good balance of what's what are the things that are so important to us that we won't give up? And like, we don't have kids yet, but we're talking about it, thinking about it. And when, when we raise our family, we will raise them on that value set that we have built together. And actually, I think the fact that both of us are entrepreneurs will make us great parents because, you know, we've dealt with conflict in our teams Mm -hmm. we've built a culture we are practicing setting and managing expectations and these are all skills that we can also apply to parenting yeah Yeah. I don't know you've got kids you tell me I'm in the two-year-old tantrum phase right now so I'm not the best person to talk to but yeah yeah I do see bringing yeah I do see bringing different skills to the table like my husband and I are very different and the different skills that we bring to the table with parenting so absolutely totally I was just thinking with your values though I'm looking around your apartment and there are like Pinterest elements you can make one of those like in this family we do da, 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 da. oh we've talked your, about you? it <laughs> we're on the same page <laughs> here, Victoria. There go. <laughs> I love those I desire <laughs> to make one for myself one day <laughs> Okay, well, we're going to wrap up with the five questions that I ask all of our interviewees. So, Kylie, what are the things or the projects that get you fired up in a good way? Crafting. Crafting. I'm a crafter. I need something to do with my hands, and it gives me time for my brain to unwind and process. Yeah. And you go to Pinterest for those? I do, absolutely. Actually, I'm like, most of the things around here have been craft projects. Have you done, did you do these doors yourself? I didn't do the doors, but like the wall hangings, oh um, like a lot of the Christmas tree decorations. Yeah. I'm working on like a, a dream catcher weaving. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. I really want to learn how to do that like loose knitting. Oh, like finger knitting? The Well, yeah, but with the really thick wool. Oh, yes. Because I feel like it'll take less time to make a giant blanket. Time efficiency. That's where <laughs> I'm going with here. Yeah. What's the most inspiring book you've read in the past few years? Daring Greatly by Brené Brown. That one changed my life around vulnerability and a willingness to open up. Yeah. Yeah. I have read it before and I've got it on hold at the library for an audiobook version as well. So she good. reads it and I'm like, I got to hear this She's straight great. out of her mouth. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Do you have a favorite quote or words that you live by? I do. I, I, I'm going to, I'll read it. It's actually a bit of a long one, but I heard it from originally in the Brené Brown book, but it's an original quote from Theodore Roosevelt. And he says, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how strong, how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcomings. I love it. What's the best life lesson that you've learned or advice that you've been given? I was on an international visitors leadership program hosted by the U.S. consulate. And I was the youngest woman in this group of women from across Canada. And they gave me some amazing advice on this trip as we kind of went across the states and talked about women in STEM. And one of them is that the partner you choose is not just a decision for love, but it is also an economic one. And it sounded so cold in that moment, but it made a lot of sense because when you find the right partner, it will be someone who supports you in your career, whatever career you might choose, whether that is a stay-at-home mom or whether that is being a CEO or running your own company. But your partner is actually also a career move. And I was like, wow, that is a really interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how are you guys career partners in that way? Sam is also an entrepreneur, so we bring home these challenges that I'm like, this is what I learned at Shake Geek, and he's applying it, you know, at his company, and he brings those things to me, and so we're always building together, Yeah. even though it's a little bit separate, because we don't work, you know, in the same companies, Um, but we feed off of that, and it excites both of us. That's awesome. Yeah. So my last question, Kylie, is what does it mean to you to live your best life? Living my best life means living intentionally thoughtfully designing something that excites me and not getting swept up in what life should be or is expected to be yeah living intention (laughs) yeah that's great thank you so much for joining the podcast thanks for having me victoria isn't kylie awesome (laughs) like 
I had such a good time talking to her. And I mean, we, we met in person, as you can tell from the podcast. I think I had a smile on my face nearly the entire time. She is smart. She is eloquent. She is beautiful. Her apartment's stunning. Like, she is the adult that I want to be. And like, you know, when you talk about people that can do it all, that can manage it all, that are also just good human beings as well. Like, it's so important at the core of anything to be a good human being. You know, Kylie is up there. So I, it was such an honor for me to interview her. And big shout out to Lourdes Juan, who's one of our earlier interviews. You can go back to the show notes and find Lourdes, the, the episode with Lourdes for inter, um, for introducing me to Kylie and, you know, letting me know a little bit more about Chic Geek and all the things that they did. So... Yeah, I had a blast interviewing Kylie. I think she's making such a difference in the world. But if you know women in the Calgary area that are interested in STEM, whether they're actively into it or they're just wanting to learn a little bit more about it, I highly recommend you check out thechicgeek.ca for news on events, volunteer opportunities, all that kind of stuff. Next year, they'll be having their Geeky Summit, uh, which Kylie had kind of mentioned their conference. So that's just happened for this year, but it'll be happening again next year. Uh, yeah, they've got lots of... You know, Kylie said they do 20, 25 events a year. So there's always ways to get involved with them. So uh, next time on the podcast, we are joined by Meredith Masony from That's Inappropriate. So if you are a mom of, you know, under 15 year olds, I would say, you've probably heard of Meredith. She is a vlogger, a blogger, um, she does little sketch comedy videos on YouTube about the struggles of motherhood and being in a marriage and, you know, just daily, the daily grind and how you sort of survive it. And she had a couple of videos that went absolutely viral. She had one on the, um, the man cold versus the mom cold, which I think was maybe one of the first ones I saw. And then the other one she had was a Mother's Day one of what I really want for Mother's Day which was actually just to be left alone. And I 100% resonated with those. And then I found out more about Meredith's story and how it was actually an illness that really catapulted her into figuring out what she wanted to do and helped her reprioritize her life. So it's going to be an awesome episode. And that's going to be coming out on Thursday, December 21st. So Thank you again for listening to the podcast. Again, if you want to rate and review on iTunes, that would be amazing. Even better if you want to share it with one of your friends or with your Facebook community. It would mean the world to me, and I would appreciate it so much. So until next time, have a great day. Bye. Bye.